There's a patient that comes in to clinical practices. This is not one particular person, but a type where there is measurable things wrong with the patient, but no measurable reason why. A patient may have high blood pressure or be stressed or anxious, depressed. And it isn't until we explore this aspect that I'm going to call heart that we can begin to understand why this is happening. In today's podcast, I'd like to explore what is heart? What is this intangible that we know exists that can help or hurt our healing process? On today's Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gil Winkleman, and welcome to Ask Dr. Gil. So today I want to talk about something that is a challenging topic to talk about in kind of a Western medicine context. And it's sort of uh, ironic that it's difficult because for the most part, we all sense that there's something else besides the physical body. Now, some people might call this mind. Other people might call it heart. Other people call it spirit or soul. Whatever you call it, there, I believe, is something there. And it's something that affects the ability of someone to heal. So there's a few things that can help us understand this from a scientific point of view. Now, I'm not trying to convince you that this exists or doesn't exist. Um, I want to share my experience about this and help understand kind of a little bit of a science point of view of it, but also understand what it is and what you would need to know and kind of how you can approach your own healing, as it were, or loved one's healing as it relates to this. So. So let's start with some of the imbalances that can happen. Um, I mentioned hypertension as, as one. That's, that's kind of the obvious one. And I think there is ample evidence and it, it's kind of part of our, our group think that stressful situations can lead to uh, a response in the body. I, I mean, I think that's pretty well established at this point. And, you know, I see people who are in jobs they do not like, the marriages they do not like, relationships they do not like, that create uh, a biological response, generally hypertension, but sometimes it can be aches and pains, it can be fibromyalgia, um, th there's a lot of different aspects to that. There's aspects that can show up not in the body. Um, there's there's a theory that hoarders have been sexually abused. Um, and I mentioned the body keeps the score. He goes through many, many issues 
uh, that, that show up psychologically that have something to do with stress. It's an adaptive approach by the body to deal with stress. Chronic illness of any sort can have a, its basis from stress, but I would say that that stress has to do with a conflict that's happening in some respect. And some people would say it's just the mind, but there are patients that I've worked with who have the sense that they know they need to get out of a situation and they don't do it. And probably the best scenario of this is I had a patient who was working in a uh, contracting type role for a company and he was made into a foreman. And he loved what he did, by the way. He, he really enjoyed uh, working with his hands and he had an opportunity to become a supervisor, like I said, and it was a you know pay raise and so forth and more responsibility, and he absolutely hated it. Um, he got sick, his blood pressure went up, he started having heart, heart palpitations, and it was a tough decision for him to give that up. And he, interestingly enough, he felt a bit like a failure that he couldn't handle the pressure. And I worked with him about that and we talked about it just because it's one of these things that, and, and not just with him, but it comes up a lot with patients uh, that I see, is that we have this sense that moving up is what we should all want. And oftentimes, that isn't necessarily what our heart really wants us to do. And so there's that word again, heart. And I think that oftentimes health issues aren't happening because of the stress necessarily, but because of the dissonance between what our brain thinks we should want and what our heart is telling us what to do. So. You know, it, and I've talked to other clinicians about this and some of my other colleagues, and oftentimes a few of them have reported that they see this with uh, people in marriages that aren't working for them. And it's not that it's an abusive marriage or a bad marriage. It's just not where they want to necessarily be. And this is difficult. I mean, it's a difficult place to be in for somebody. And, you know, and it, that's not to say that Every time something goes wrong in a job or a marriage or a relationship or whatever, that you should run away from it. Uh, oftentimes these issues arise as a, as a learning opportunity. And the reality is, is that sometimes even a good thing has bad moments, right? So, you know, it's part of life in a sense but other times there's just a mismatch and or there's uh, something greater that you're being drawn to do and by greater I don't necessarily mean from a societal point of view I just mean greater from from an aspect of heart that's the quality of heart that I'm talking about from this perspective and I think it's important 
to understand this uh, from a physiologic perspective as well. Because from my perspective, from my experience as a clinician who works with a lot of mental health issues from anxiety to learning issues to depression to schizophrenia, that sometimes the imbalance is also preventing us from connecting to that heart space. And that's a case where the physiology impairs our ability to, to get to that place. And one of the tools that I use is neurofeedback, and I've talked about this in a previous podcast. But the nice thing about neurofeedback is that if the problem is in the brain, and there's an issue in terms of the neurons not quite connecting, quite literally, then the neurofeedback can heal that. And I see people making better decisions. And, you know, initially when I started working with neurofeedback, it was interesting. I would see people sort of blossom. And it was almost like the neurofeedback was causing them to open their hearts because they just changed. They, they would, oftentimes patients would start feeling better and, you know, their migraines or whatever it was that was bothering them went away. But then they would also uh, find more gratitude and more, uh, they might volunteer or they'd get involved more in their church or temple or uh, whatnot. And it was really transformational to see. And initially I thought, oh, wow, well, the neurofeedback must be doing something with their heart. I think it's a little simpler than that. I think it's that whatever was going on with the brain interfered with their ability to access that still quiet point. And that's the piece that, that that's the piece I want to talk about in the second half of this program is what is that piece about and how do we better access that for ourselves. So stay tuned. Welcome back. Uh, again, I'm Dr. Gil Winkleman. We're talking about heart and what it is and how it affects our health and how our health affects it. So the aspect of, of heart, and, I, and I'm going to circle back to the physiology here in a bit. But before we do that, I need to ask a question. And that is, is how do we know, how do you know if you are following heart and if you're on your right path. And I think that that is a critical piece to this because I have people that I've seen who are perfectly healthy and completely miserable and their lives look amazing from the outside. And so you know, I think that misery is indicative of something. Uh, I, you know, I think that many philosophers, many psychologists make an assumption. Heck, it's in the Declaration of Independence. 
that were were have an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I think it's that pursuit of happiness doesn't mean you're going to be happy, but it means that we're allowed to go find that. And it's it's a cornerstone, I think, to many of the things that we do in our society on some level. But other times, we've we lose it. We lose that aspect because of other social pressures or internal pressures. But, you know, Joseph Campbell, he was a writer. He wrote the book, The Hero of a Thousand Faces, amongst many others. He writes about following your bliss. And what he means by that is, is finding that place in yourself, that heart space, that is telling you this is what you want to do, this is what you're here on this planet to do, and go out and do it. And many times it's really, really challenging. I mean, you know, the patient that I was talking about in the first part of the program, he had been in his bliss, which was doing his, you know, carpentry, and being in the, uh, you know, a, a more advise, uh, supervisory role was not part of that. And he immediately started having health problems as a result. Great feedback on some level. Uh, and, you know, for some people, they don't, they just feel miserable. Um, other people feel it in their bodies. Uh, it's no different than if you, you know, some people react to MSG and have migraine headaches. It's no different uh, on some level. So I truly believe that following your bliss, you know, able to find some aspect of that is crucial in terms of, you know, finding this heart and following heart. Now, here's a little bit of the rub on this, because sometimes there's something that's off in your mind or your body that either makes it difficult to hear that or it skews what that is. And... You know, a, a, a classic example is someone who was abused as a child who falls in love with someone who also abuses them, or maybe not quite as bad as they did. Uh, they were abused as a child, but someone who just doesn't treat them well, and they stay in that relationship. Well, here you have a, an aspect of someone who is having trouble following their bliss because they're they're compass is off. And so this is where a lot of the work that I do, now I work from a physiologic perspective because I see this physiologically. Like I mentioned, someone who's head injured sometimes makes bad decisions thinking that it's something that they want to do, but in fact it is coming from the fact that they had had a head injury. And that's pretty common. And, and once the head injury is treated, you know, assuming there's nothing else going on that's out of balance, either mentally, emotionally, or physically, they find something, you know, that's truly joyful for them. And I think that, uh, you know, we also have, I have colleagues who are psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, psychotherapists, who will do counseling with people around these issues as well. And I, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's both. I think that oftentimes we store uh, trauma in the body 
And whether it's, you know, changes in the epigenetics that, you know, we discussed in the first program uh, uh, that I had, if you haven't listened to that, go back, give it a listen. we know that trauma changes how our DNA turns on and off, and it changes how our cells respond to things. And it it absolutely needs to be reset on some level. And th- this is where yoga is, is so powerful, or uh, EMDR, uh, some kind of somatic reeducation, you know, body therapy, and so forth, uh, neurofeedback, um, heart math. You know that that all of those are geared towards helping us re-educate our cells so that it can, they can be a better container for, for heart and also be a better, more in tune with and better able to follow that, that place. So I think that the, the challenge here that many people have is how do we know we're able to trust what our intuition is telling us? And there's no easy answer to that. Uh, the book that I would recommend reading is called The Power of the Heart, Finding Your True Purpose in Life by Baptiste de Pop. I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but he also has a movie about it. And it's all about you know, he has some exercises. They're, they're about mindfulness and meditation. He's interviewed many people about this. Uh, Eckhart Tolle being one of them, who's a wonderful writer and uh, has a book called The Power of the Now, po- Power of Now. And much of what uh, Baptiste de Pop talks about and also the people he's interviewed talks about is that oftentimes following heart is a matter of trial and error. And sometimes, you know, many of these self-help books that talk about finding your intuition suggest working with things that are more trivial to start. You know, should you go to this cafe? Uh, What's your intuition say? I, I do think that's helpful on some level. I think also that the trivial example is at times meaningless because because it's trivial, right? So, but, you know, give this a read, uh, I would say, and also ask yourself, you know, practice. Find things that that are somewhat inconsequential and practice following that and, and seeing how well you are doing and be really honest with yourself and try and understand that there may be aspects of this that still need to be honed. It's probably a skill, intuition is, like anything else, like doing math. It's probably a skill that just requires practice, but it's not something that we're taught to practice. You know, it's not something that we're really, our education system, and I don't want to get political here, but it's not really geared towards teaching people how to trust their own instincts about things. It's, it's geared to much, much more of a mental aspect of things, not this heart aspect of things. And so from my perspective, uh, I, like I said, I only work with the physiology for the most part with people. But what happens, what I see is oftentimes as people feel better and things are more in balance. In heart math, we have a concept called coherence that we talk about. Uh, what I see is is that 
patients start finding that intuitive sense and are able to access that more and more. So in any case, that's about what I have for you guys today. Uh, I probably am going to follow this up next week unless I get a great question or comments from this with talking about gratitude. And send me your questions, though, because I am wanting to hear what you want to hear about. And you can send me an email at info, I-N-F-O, at askdrgill.com. That's A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. And uh, if you really like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It would be really helpful. And if you want to join the mailing list, you can sign up at the website, askdrgill.com. Thank you so much for joining me, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.